Unfortunately, they were showing aggression and they felt that Sarah Everard not deserved it, but she shouldn't have been out so late. And it was something that maybe she was wearing, maybe she had courted the, the murder, which wasn't the case at all. was Jane Grishy, manager of rape charity Jersey Action Against Rape, known as JAR. And I'm Fiona Potany. I'm the news editor of Bailiwick Express, and this is our podcast. Each week, we'll examine an important news story affecting islanders in further depth. In the few weeks since Sarah Everard was murdered on her way home, something seems to have broken across the UK, and the floodgates have opened. Girls who suffered in silence at schools across the UK have been speaking out about the sexual harassment they have been subject to. Inappropriate comments, sharing of intimate images without their permission, even assaults. These are just some of the behaviours, previously written off as banter or boys being boys, that are now being called out on website Everyone's Invited. It wasn't long before the ripples reached Jersey. Last month, JCG and Victoria College described some of the experiences recounted by their students as difficult to hear as they pledged to do more to tackle rape culture. But what is the root of these harmful attitudes towards women and how can we tackle them? I spoke to Jane and Jar's community engagement officer, Zoe Collins-Fisher. I started by asking what local fallout the charity had detected in the wake of Sarah Everard's death. What we found was that we got um, contacted by local schools and on the, the back of the responses from some of the children of what they were saying to the teachers, they uh, found that some of the responses that the young men in the class were not what they had expected. The sympathy wasn't there the empathy wasn't there and that shocked and surprised them and so they felt that they needed to bring Jar in to, to help, you know, with discussions around this, this sort of like the the whole area of, of safety, sexual safety and what, what areas are sort of around consent really. Unfortunately they were showing aggression and they felt that Sarah Everard not deserved it but she shouldn't have been out so late and it was something that maybe she was wearing, maybe she had courted the, the murder, which wasn't the case at all. We can assume that no boy or man is born misogynistic. So what do you think was the root cause of some of these attitudes? Um, I think there's always going to be a lot of um, conversation around the myths of rape. Um, the myths of rape, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, is, is to do with, you know, what she was wearing, whether she was drinking, uh, certain behaviours. But I think a lot has been said about the, the sort of the, the pornography involvement, the fact that people feel that it's too accessible, it's free, you know, and if you've got a handheld device, all you have to do is is log in and, and there it is. And and people we know are, are watching it during um, whilst they're at school. And it's just, we're concerned about this sort of behaviour, really. According to Zoe, it's not just porn that can promote unhealthy ideas about women, but the mainstream media too. 
the media and high-profile advertising campaigns are unfortunately promoting very miscuous, very damning advertising that people are being exposed to. You know, they have things called gangbang adverts, and these are high-profile fashion brands using these terminology. And you know, in the gaming world, there are videos on YouTube that the young minds are following and seeing, and it's very questionable behaviour about girls at parties and and men at parties and boys at parties and, and what, what is happening. The 2019 Jersey Schools survey found that online pornography was classed as the main source of information about sex for half of boys in year 12 and 25% of those in year 10. Do you think they're looking to porn to satisfy some kind of gap in their sex education? I think there's always going to be a sort of an inquisitiveness towards it. I'm thinking back to my day... <sighs> many years ago you had the top shelves where you were you'd find the the magazines you you had your page three models you also had your um mother's catalogs where it showed the underwear photographs i think there's always going to be an inquisitiveness there but i think it's the level it's the degree of graphicness that they are coming across that's the problem a study by the uk government equalities office last year found links between consumption of pornography and viewing women as sex objects as well as acceptance of sexual aggression towards women but part of the problem is that it's so widespread and trying to stop people viewing it almost seems futile i'm sort of passionate about the fact that i think it's never going to go away. Porn's been there for hundreds of years. I don't know, hundreds. Yes, it has, I think. Hundreds of years we can say that pornography has been there. But I think we need to kind of discuss with the young people about it, about where it comes from, the big fat cats who produce it, um, how much money they make from it, and down to the, the sort of like the effects that it can have on their physiology. The fact that we know by research that um, erectile dysfunction can occur because people want very graphic images to, to sort of stimulate them. And if they're not getting the same sort of imagery that in their own love lives as they may see on, on the screen, they might sort of like feel, well, I want something a bit more. So that, that's, I want to sort of like start the discussions around that. I, I, I don't think it's right to go in preaching saying, you know, pornography is, is terrible because I think, you know, if you're, if, if you're a consenting person and you want to look at something or try something out, it's, it's fine. I think it's the, the problem lies is when it, it takes over someone's life and we do know that it's highly addictive. So what you're saying is the problem isn't the single fact that young people are accessing porn. It's that they might not understand the background around it. Yeah, and I think it's good to start the discussion with them because it needs to be explored. I mean, we can tell them it's bad, but they need to have that critical thinking whereby they, they come to the conclusions themselves because we can preach, but they won't listen and they certainly won't take it in. So that's why we need to kind of talk to them about it and we need not to be embarrassed about these difficult subjects. How is JAR starting some of those conversations and what initiatives does it have planned this year? We wanted to run a consent campaign this year just because obviously what's happening in the world. We really want to go out and tell people about consent and help them understand what consent is, what it means, what it looks like. So we are working with Drama Lab, a local drama school here on the island, and we are going to hopefully create, well we are creating, a series of roadshows to go into secondary schools and colleges and youth groups 
to go in and to talk to um, the various age groups about consent and Drama Lab are going to come in and help and do a few scenarios. We're going to get the, the young people involved, we're going to pause it, we're going to ask them how, what they think, if they can relate to what they've seen, what consent looks like, what healthy consent looks like, because there's a big misconception of what obviously we know about what healthy consent looks like you know we want to promote healthy sexual relationships but it needs to be in a consensual manner there's a lot of information regarding the law around consent that a lot of people don't realize taking a photo and sharing it if that is then shared on to without the knowledge of the person in the photo is actually breaking the law you can be put on the sex offenders register for it which obviously will then ruin your life going forward there's a lot of details that quite a lot of the young people aren't aware of and we really want to help them understand so they can then go forward in their lives and consensually have good relationships. And what does a healthy relationship look like and a consenting relationship look like? Well to give consent means you have to freely give consent to either have an act done to you or you perform an act onto somebody else. There has to be no threatening, no coercion, it needs to be done in a safe environment. You can't give consent if you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs. That's quite a big misconception. People will go out and have a good time. It's great to go out and have a good time and have a drink and then end up in a situation where you could have originally said yes but then as you sort of uh, start the act you could then become sort of non-consensual in your body language or you're you know you're not emotionally connecting you're not making eye contact you're kind of gone still um, and, and that's when the, the consent is then withdrawn you can't carry on because you can obviously see that one partner in uh, one person in in the act is not consenting anymore so that's a big misconception so people will often go out have a good time say yeah go home great start to have sex together and then it can then change very quickly because you can say yes uh, you can say yes but then if you say no at any point that is that means you have to stop you can't you can't carry on that's non-consensual then we know that on average children are aged 10 when they first see porn so some of these harmful attitudes may be born very early how can we teach younger children about concepts of consent? There is a need to start the conversation much younger. You know, we know children in primary schools are um, being witnessed to things and exposed to things. So it would be great to just start those conversations a lot younger. I mean, I have a little girl myself. And uh, during COVID um, at school, the teachers were talking to them about hugging. You know, um, it's not we can't hug everybody. But that that's really great because I know it's it's it was brought up because of covid and, and encouraging social distancing but actually it's really good to, to sort of have those um discussions at primary school about hugging and, and cuddling and kissing and and you know not everybody likes it not everybody feels comfortable so if we can if we can work with um, the younger primary schools it, it would be great and, and i think the younger we get it the, the hopefully the more impact that we have jane thinks that conversations also need to take place in the home it would be good to be able to work with parents and guardians on this because I think they need to be more aware of what their child may be seeing online. And that's why to have the ability to do interviews like this, just maybe being listened to by a parent that will think, OK, my, my son, my daughter has got a handheld device that they can access this, you know, these pornographic sites. Because even if you put a parental um, block on 
they're clever they can override them so um i think it's important to work with parents teachers and guardians on this just to make them aware that they may think that the child isn't looking at the these websites but they possibly are they more than likely are because if there's someone in the, the playground who's looking at them it'll have a knock-on effect so I just think it's to get the conversation with their, their child their young person in their household to say okay are you looking at this well let's just discuss this let's let's see is this like a, do you think this is a normal relationship do you think this is what happens just to be open with with that if you are angry at them, it's going to send it underground, isn't it? They're going to do it, but they're certainly not going to be open. I think it's to have the openness. It's to work with them, to sort of like to explore together, maybe not explore the, the websites, but to explore the subject matter together and to sort of like give examples of, of good relationships or what a good relationship is all about. But it's not just parents, teachers and charities that should be questioning the harmful narratives promoted by porn busting rape myths and stamping out lad culture and the misogyny that goes with it. This is unfortunately is a global problem, it's a, it's a world problem and we need everybody to, and, and the people that have the following and are in and strong positions to come out and really call out any sort of behaviours and language languages that is being, you know, used and, and trivialised in a way and, and to really support the message of, you know, consensual sex and reducing... Um, you know, um, language that is um, that goes on to sexual sexual harassment, and really um, get behind get behind rape charities and and support the message that we're all trying to uh, to deliver. So you think everyone has a part to play in stamping out rape culture and spreading positive messages? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, we know that um, it's only a very small uh, percentage of. Um, uh, you know, males that have this, you know, this phrase toxic masculinity. Unfortunately, they tend to be the loudest. Um, so there's a lot of uh, um, conversations and language being had that in every social group, in every setting, um, that you can hear pretty much on a daily basis. And it's a, it, we all have a responsibility to, when we hear that, to just call out and, and just give a, a different perspective and just try to say, well, how, how do you think that makes um, the, uh, the, the woman uh, feel? Or how do you think that person feels that you, now you've, you've said, uh, said those things? And uh, it's, it's not, we can't make it a joke. We can't trivialise it. We can't normalise it. We need to try to be brave and uh, call, in a safe way uh, call out those people and those discussions when we hear them. Some younger boys may be aware their friends are making comments that are unacceptable. What would be your advice to them? I absolutely understand that it's really hard and it's in a pressured situation because you do want to have a laugh and you do want to, you know, be popular, unfortunately, and there is this lad culture that's happening. But what you have to remember is that we all have, we all have um, masculinity, we all have um, women in our lives or girls in our lives that we are either in the family, or, you know, we have sisters, we have daughters, we have uh, close friends, and and it's about trying to suggest that you know how do you think your sister would feel if if you said that? So it, it is be about try to be brave, but it's hard, it's very hard. But and and that's when we go back to role models to try and help in that scenario and and try to encourage their followers um, to really call out behaviour. And and make it you know popular to call out behaviour. It's not make it you know make that the norm rather than try to turn it into something that could cause anxiety and 
there's something you know you, you're almost afraid to do you have to do it in a safe way and there's if we can all do it together work together as a world and as a community then hopefully we can achieve achieve what we what we need to achieve in the wake of these conversations jcg and victoria college are currently working on a shared statement of values perhaps something that other schools will start looking at what foundations are needed to build a culture of respect in schools i was going to say respect (laughs) it is respect at the end of the day to have equal respect for both sexes um, because we're we're there to work together there shouldn't be a sort of them and us it shouldn't be boys versus girls it should be all to do with us being equal and making sure that we all remain safe that we protect each other thank you jane and zoe if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast jar will be happy to help you can visit its website jar.je or call its helpline 01534 482 800 If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and share it. The title track was called I Shift My Weight by Luno. More from me, Fiona Potany, and the Bailiwick Express team next week. 